Welcome to the Stock Music Licensing Podcast, the number one resource for creating passive income selling stock music online. I'm your host, Daniel Carrizales, and I'm here to help you monetize your compositions. All right, welcome to episode 30 of the Stock Music Licensing Podcast. Thank you very much for hanging out here with me today. Today we're going to be talking about mixing and mastering, but we're going to be focusing mainly on mixing. And and why are we talking about mixing? Well, because the amount of emails, the amount of uh, private messages I get, uh, the main concern with uh, newcomers and even uh, experienced composers is mixing and mastering. Now, I'm going to give you three simple steps that you can implement in your next music composition. But before we get into the content of this episode, as always, this episode is brought to you by Stock Music Licensing Academy. And if you don't know about the Academy, you can go to stockmusiclicensing.com and you can learn more about the online courses that I have there. At the moment, we have hundreds of students that are going through the courses and it's been uh, a really amazing experience for me to be able to to teach the blueprint and the step-by-step process of how to create music for royalty-free libraries and start earning money online. So let's get right into the content of this episode. Now, why mixing and mastering, like I mentioned in the beginning, is because there's a lot of overwhelm around this topic. There's a lot of uh, confusion as well. And uh, I have created, really, uh, an online course dedicated for mix and mastering. It's called the Complete Mixing and Mastering Masterclass. And this is part of a, a standalone course, but at the same time, it's part of a, a bonus in the Ultimate Stock Music Masterclass. Now, why am I doing this? Why am I teaching composers on how to mix and master their own music? Well, the reason why is because there is a lot of uh, struggle in that area. My background is as a sound engineer, uh, and I have quite a lot of knowledge around that topic. And uh, not only I have the theory that I went to to study for, for this topic, which is quite boring, by the way. You know, one thing is to have the knowledge and study and go through all the tedious uh, knowledge of sound wave pressure and, and levels and, and how fast does the sound travels in, in the air, depending on... <laughs> on the temperature in in a certain place. And another thing is to actually compose a music track and really start mixing your track uh, based on instinct, okay? Uh, Making decisions with mixing is all about instinct. It's about a gut feeling that uh, we as artists and musicians and producers, uh, we just have to know. We just have to feel it, okay? Not so much hear it, but actually trust your intuition, trust your your decision-making. Mixing is all about decision-making and really trusting your judgment, all right? And this is something that they don't teach you in sound engineering school. They're in sound engineering schools, they're all in all of these expensive colleges and uh, universities. Uh, they all teach you about the, the principles of sound and physics, and that's all well and done, all right? But the problem is that we're not uh, we're not teaching uh, musicians or future engineers and producers on how to trust themselves. It all comes down to how can I implement the the knowledge. But if I cannot trust my own uh, decision making based on what I'm hearing, then how am I gonna be making uh, good mixes? 
Now, I know that this might sound a little bit of a woo-woo uh, out there, but it's true. And this is based on my experience. This is based on uh, other composers and other colleagues of mine that we have been through this process and we've been doing this for a long time and we see this again and again and again with newcomers a lot of my students they are focusing so much on the mixing and the mastering and the reality is that they need to focus on the composition and the arrangement so we have to go backwards the problem is not the mixing the problem is the music composition and the arrangement all right so what what do i mean by that what i mean is that when you start composing your next music track what you need to do is that as you're laying down your very first instrument let's say that you're composing a, a piano part so it's a piano chord progression okay that's your very first instrument that instrument is going to take Everything is going to take the whole um, from nothing to something. So before that, there was silence. Now there's a piano uh, part. There's a chord progression going on. That is something. And that piano part takes absolutely everything in the stereo field. And in volume, that's all there is. Now, this is very philosophical. Do not tune out <laughs> yes yet. Just bear with me. So let's say that the next instrument is... I don't know, a guitar part, okay? Now you're starting to create some kind of uh, interaction between a piano and a guitar part. There, immediately, you need to decide which one is the one that is going to be taking over uh, as the main instrument or are they going to be part of a... of a group, if you will. You always have to think that when you're composing music, you have to think that you're really writing music, but it's people that are making this music. So if I'm composing with a piano and then I have a guitar, I'm thinking in terms of those two people are in the same room, if that makes any sense. I don't think to, uh, of them as, uh, as a plug-in, if you will. I want to be uh, thinking, I want you to think outside of the box. So think that you have a piano player in the room and now you have a guitarist playing whatever guitar part they're playing. So you have to start deciding immediately how loud that guitar is going to be. And it's the same with the piano. Okay, but just because you started with a piano, that doesn't mean that the piano is going to be the main instrument. Okay, but you still have to take that decision earlier on and say which one is the most important uh, instrument in this very moment. As you start adding more instruments, you're going to go through the same uh, process. Okay, so if I have a guitar and a piano and, uh, and I feel that this particular instrument uh, uh, are giving me what I need, it's giving me an emotion already, it's, it's making me feel something. But let's say that now I want to, immediately I need some beats, I need to get the thing going, I want to really uh, get to the point. And I, and I need some rhythm. I need some kind of energy going on here, all right? So let's say that you introduce some drummings. Now, that could be a drum loop. That could be a, a program drum that you made. Or if you're a drummer, you probably played it yourself. And if you do that, that's fantastic. Now, here, when it comes down to the drums and you have just a piano and a guitar part, now you have to, now it gets really complicated because you have to decide how loud those drums are going to be. And, and notice here that I'm talking about loudness. So if you had a drummer in a room and a piano or in a studio, 
for that matter. And they're all playing together. And let's say that we're going back to the 60s and 70s where people used to record like that uh, in, a, in, a, in a room and they had some kind of isolation, all right? The drummer will be playing uh, a little bit further away, but they will play it like a band, all right? And this is true for any type of music, okay? Uh, if you're playing orchestral music, it's the same thing. They're all playing in the same room. They're all uh, interacting between themselves, between each other. The violinists are playing uh, to a certain uh, part in that room, in that studio, if they're recording. And if they're in a concert hall as well, they're being positioned in different space, in different uh, places of the concert hall. Now, I want you to start thinking like that about your music as well, because this is crucial when it comes down to mixing. So once you introduce uh, the drum, obviously you might uh, feel uh, compelled to put some bass, or at least that's what I feel. As soon as I put the drums, the next thing is the bass. And uh, that could be programmed again, or it could be played. Now you're really getting into deep waters here because now you're playing with uh, the, the deeper end okay, of the spectrum, meaning that you have a kick and you have a, a bass, which uh, the most difficult things to mix in any music or in any uh, situation is the lower end, okay, the bass, and it's usually the bass and the kick drum, regardless of the genre. Obviously, there are uh, different genres there. Uh, they really focus on uh, lower end energy like uh, electronic music and hip hop and even heavy rock. This has to, there has to be a lot of definition, but regardless of the genre, uh, this is one of the most difficult uh, frequencies to, to actually uh, mix or get get the levels right, get it right, get the bass and the kick and the lower end to sit properly in the mix. So, step number one, when you record, you start mixing, okay? As soon as you start recording, you start mixing, even if that means that you only have two instruments. And you might need to move the faders or you might not need to move the faders depending on how you are recording that particular instrument, okay? Because when we're recording and we're composing, we usually, if I'm introducing the drums to my guitar and my piano part, I usually will record the drums or get the drums to a level that it sits already with these two instruments, okay? So the levels have to be right from the start, Okay, and, and, and this goes back to the principle of proper uh, gain staging. And this is just principles of sound engineering that I don't want to drop here. I don't want to get into the details of it because this just adds to the confusion as well. And I don't want you to feel overwhelmed. All, you want, all I want from you is to go uh, by listening to what you're writing in your compositions, but at the same time, taking those decisions as you go along. Okay, so if you start recording and you feel that the drums are too loud in this particular uh, example that I'm talking about, you just need to record the drums from the get-go, decide if they're going to be that loud or they're going to be a little bit lower in volume. Obviously, when we have introduced the bass, then we can really get some kind of a balance between the bass, the piano, and our guitar parts. In this situation, if we have only those instruments, we should be able to, to make, make it sound in harmony, all these instruments together, and have like some kind of a, a coherent uh, thing going on, okay? No instrument should be taking over the others. It should be a natural um, 
harmony of, of volume of uh, energy regardless of the genre okay and this is where you have to start making decisions in the writing process not later okay now what happens here what happens is that once you have a piano part a guitar part some drums and the bass then you pretty much have your band okay and you can start taking decisions and saying how can this uh, be better all right, and how can I add even more instruments to support my idea? But I have my band, I have my piano player, I have my guitarist, I have my drummer, and my bass player. Okay, four piece band. You might want to need uh, a singer, but we're not singing today. I fired the singer. <laughs> I'm all about instrumental music, to be quite honest. I'm joking. I listen to music when people sing as well. But for, for, the, for the sake of music licensing, and th yes, there are people who sing and they license their music. Uh, that's not what I do, though. Okay. So, But what I'm going to talk about here is that I want you to think in terms of a band. And you need to take decisions of how many instruments you're going to be using. Now, for me, I'm a guitarist. I'm a guitar player. So my instrument is the guitar. And I tend to just start with the guitar. And the piano is just going to be really uh, supporting that idea. The piano is going to support the chords and the harmonies of that uh particular music track I come back I come from a from a rock and roll background and I tend to write in, in that genre so I have a reference in my head of what kind of sounds I want to get and that's a very important exercise for you as well regardless of the genre okay so now that you have your instruments and you say okay I have my piano I have my guitars I have my drums and my bass I want to add a little shaker here and there because now you're writing and you're going into a B section or going to a chorus part of your music track, okay? Again, decision-making very quickly. The shaker, how loud does the shaker need to be? Or the tambourine for that matter. God forbid, if you're going to put some hand claps, okay, you need to take those decisions immediately and say, does the hand claps take over the snare. Do I want them that loud? Do I want them a little bit in the background? Should, what should I do? These decisions are being made as you're writing your music track because if, it's, if it doesn't fit the composition, you have to get rid of it. If it doesn't fit the actual uh, message of the track, you need to come up with a different instrument and you need to take those decisions as you're writing. Okay, so let's say that you start adding some more instruments. Let's say that you're indulging in doing some overdubs of guitars or if you're doing uh, orchestral music, you put another violin section here and there or a, a passage, if you will, or some uh, harmonies that answer the d different uh, parts of another uh, section of the strings uh, section. So you get the idea. So the more instruments you're adding, then you have to really decide of... How is this going to make any sense? Because the more instruments, the more problems for your mix. That's the, the whole point here. Which brings me to step number two. Start mixing using only your faders and your pan pods. This is what is known as the static mix. We're not introducing any plugins whatsoever. This is just, we're still writing, we're still composing, and we're experimenting with different instruments, all right? So, but the more instruments you start adding to your mix, then you still need to get some separation. The room is getting really full now. Imagine having a drummer in a room, uh, a bass player, uh, a guitar player, and let's say that you invited a friend who's playing that second guitar part, 
and then you have your, your piano, which is the original instrument. Now the guitarist decides that he wants to turn up uh, his amp because he can't hear himself. And therefore, the drummer now has really uh, has warmed up a little bit, and now he's really hitting the snare drum really, really loud. And therefore, the bass player needs to as well uh, pick up on the on that energy and and really move forward a little bit with with his volume uh, display. So you see what I mean. Uh, obviously, I come as well, like I mentioned to you, from a rock background, and I've been in bands in the past, and and this is just a little bit of behind the scene of what happens when you have real people playing in the same room. Okay, now what happens here? What happens is that you we all need to find the space. Somebody has to say like, hold on a second. There is enough instruments. Okay, in in my composition. Uh, I want to keep adding some instruments to make it a little bit more um, uh, fuller, if you will. Uh, I, but I don't know yet if that's a good idea. I don't know if we should call John and, and let him play that other guitar part because now it will be three guitarists in the same room. Uh, or if you're doing orchestral music, I don't know if we should call uh, Mark and maybe he can start playing uh, the timpani because we already have enough of, of that in this particular music track. You have to think like that, okay? When we go to step number two, start adding more instruments and uh, it's getting a little bit more complex, our composition, we need to start making uh, room for those instruments. And we do that by implementing uh, the the static mix and what the static mix is and again I don't want to confuse you or overwhelm you the static mix is nothing more than mixing your music using only the pan pot and the faders and back in the day they only had like three positions it would be either hard left in the center or hard right you couldn't go in the middle uh, um, the middle meaning you couldn't go like around we usually when we refer in audio uh, about the pan pot we usually kind of like visualize it as is uh, the clock meaning that 9 o'clock will be 9 o'clock as you were actually staring at a, at a, at a clock, okay? And 12 o'clock is in the middle. And uh, so, but back in the day, apparently you couldn't really put uh, instruments at 10 o'clock, which would be like left, like in the center, but slightly tilted to the left. That's around 10 o'clock. Uh, and the same goes for 2 o'clock. It's like, okay, it's in the center, but it's... Uh, tilt to, to the right, really. Nowadays, we have so infinite uh, positioning in the stereo field with our pants, with our pan pot. What that means is that you can actually put any instrument anywhere, anywhere you want in the stereo field. And that's fantastic. However, I try to stay old-fashioned and I try to really create a massive stereo field by only focusing on the left, the right, and the center. Okay, so what goes in the center? Guess what? The bass, the kick drum, and the bass, and the snare. That's it. There's nothing else that should be taking the space in the center. Now, when we have the piano part, the piano usually is a stereo channel, so that's going to be taken uh, pretty much as well. It's going to be in the center. You can get creative, okay, and you can just uh, tilt a little bit the piano to one side, and uh, you can you know, experiment with that kind of sounds. I'd rather uh, be conservative. And the only way that I can get a massive mix is by keeping things simple and uh, positioning instruments in the stereo field as natural as possible. So if I have two guitar players, guess what? One guitar goes all the way hard left and the other one goes hard right. Because I'm thinking that I'm in a room. So if I'm in a room rehearsing with uh, my band or even if I'm in a concert, 
and uh, we're gonna be uh, presenting our 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 album or we're on tour. Uh, the two guitarists, my my two guitar players, they're not gonna be next to each other, and they're not gonna be in the middle. Okay, they're gonna be going one to the left side of the stage and the other one to the right side of the stage, and it's the same in a room. It's the same thing. If I was will we'll be rehearsing, it will be I don't want to be next to 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 John, the other guitar player. I want to be on the other side because it, it's just it's not gonna make any sense really. And the same goes with everything else, and this is how we get separation. Okay, this is how you start to mix while you're still in the writing process. Mix is not something that is separated. It's not something that is for later. It's not something that we're gonna do. Uh, in another day, when we're music composers for, for, for music licensing, you're wearing different hats, okay? And that's the downside, but at the same time, if you're a control freak, like I am, I'm not a control freak, but I like to do everything myself. I don't work very well in teams. That's one of the reasons why I'm not in a band anymore. <laughs> oh, God. What you need to do is just find space in your composition of where all of the instruments are going to be living. So left and right are my guitar players, hard left and hard right, regardless of what parts they're playing. In the center is my bass and my kick drum and my snare. The piano, I usually leave it anyways uh, in the stereo field uh, as it is. Uh, it's going to be in the center. And that way I'm creating space for my mix to breathe. I'm, I'm making my mix... Uh, Every instrument has a, a space, has a, a particular a particular space in that room, a particular space in that concert hall, okay, a particular space in in my head where I can listen and get some separation, all right. And but I'm still writing, I'm still composing, I haven't finished my track. But the more I'm getting into the chorus section of this particular music track, or you know. I'm getting a, a good idea of how this track is going. I'm getting a good sense of the energy that this track needs. And I'm getting a good uh, idea as well of what other instruments it might need and it might not need any other instruments. And that's crucial here because when we are uh, composing and writing and mixing at the same time and you start to implement these uh, steps or tactics or techniques or hacks, whatever you want to call them, very quickly you will realize that your music sounds very good with only those instruments. And it should. It should. You don't need more. Okay? I don't need to call Mark to come and play the guitar part uh, because I'm having a chorus. He, I don't need a guest uh, musician to play something else. Uh, that, that's a terrible mistake. We need to keep things simple because we want our mix to sound as big as possible the, it, we want it to sound wide, we, not, we want it to sound with clarity, and most importantly, we want it to sound as professional as possible, okay? So once we've done step number one and step number two, we're going to step number three, which is finally we'll start to introduce our first plug-in, okay? And our first plug-in is the EQ, the most powerful plugin in your whole DAW. It doesn't matter what EQ plugin you're using. There's many on the market. I use stock plugins that come with my DAW. I've been using them for, for years, really. And I teach my students on how to mix their own music using only stock plugins. You can always invest on higher end plugins and, you know, knock yourself out. They're really good. 
But if you don't know how to use the free stuff that comes with your DAW, then you're wasting your money. Start using the EQ by slowly getting rid of unwanted frequencies from each instrument. Now, if you don't know how to use an EQ, it's very simple. You just start with presets. Before you send me some hate comment that we don't use any presets because every instrument is different, every situation is different. However, the when you start with presets, it's a good idea uh, to just compare the preset with and without it. So you can have an idea of how is improving a particular uh, instrument. Now, here's where it gets really tricky, and this is another tip, and it should be step number four, but it's part of step number three. We do not EQ in solo, okay? You're still recording, you're still mixing, you're still being creative, and you have introduced now the EQ. You start to put that EQ in that piano part, and you put a preset if you don't know what you're doing with an EQ, but at the same time, what you're doing is that you're EQing while listening to the other instruments in relationship to the piano. You don't solo the piano and stay two hours going through some EQ presets and see how good the piano sounds with the EQ engage or disengage in solo. Nobody listens in solo and nobody cares how good the piano uh, is sounding by itself. Okay, at this point, I want to listen to the whole song, or you want to listen to the whole music, and you want to introduce the EQ to the instruments that might need it. Okay, maybe they don't need it. If they're really well recorded and programmed, you might not need to introduce an EQ. More often than not, you want to. You want to get rid of some unwanted frequencies um, uh, and lower end as well. If you have a guitar part that is a little bit boomy, you might want to cut a little bit of the low frequencies to leave some room for the bass and the kick or the lower end, if you will, and just start cleaning up your mix, okay? So these are just very simple uh, techniques and tactics that all audio people or sound engineers uh, do. They, they, that's how they think. That's how they get the best possible sounds out of your music, okay? But it all starts with a composition. Your music should be able to sound good in the early stages while you're writing it. Meaning that going back to the drawing board, that when you have a piano, a guitar, and, and the, some drums, it should sound amazing already, okay? After the EQ, the next plugin that you're gonna introduce is compression. And compression is nothing more that is gonna be controlling the dynamics of each individual uh, instrument. Compressor is the classic. Uh, plug-in to just give your, your mix a little bit of more punch, more energy. It's going to make the lower parts of your instruments sound louder and the loudest parts to sound lower. And it was just going to bring it right in the middle. Again, if you don't know how to use a compressor, you can always go with a preset and start from there, okay? And then you can compare the two. These are just very quick exercise for you to get better mixes. And this is, uh, again, I'm not even going here to uh, other effects like delays and reverbs. Because at this point, your music should sound very, very, very good. Okay, And if you want to know how much better can it sound, then you start to really uh, go into the mastering stage, which is just really going to bring and enhance the mixing decisions that you have already taken.
A lot of uh, students get confused with mixing and mastering, thinking that that's the problem, but the problem has uh, is deeper than that. The problem is way, way back. It's like building a house. You cannot build a house in, by, in the sand. It needs to be, have proper concrete uh, foundations. And it all begins with a proper chord progression, the proper instruments that are going to be playing that chord progression. And it's the same with the energy of the music, how this instruments are being positioned in the stereo field and how can we make this instrument sound as clear as possible by making sure that we isolate them and but at the same time they sound like they've been played together that they are part of the same thing of the same entity they sound organic regardless of what music genre you're writing in okay so i want to play for you very quickly a music track that is unmixed but it has imp- I have implemented this particular uh, three steps um, tactics, if you will. This is the track that I've been uh, writing. I wrote this like a couple of weeks ago. I shared it on my YouTube channel as well. Uh, but this is a perfect example of a track that I wrote. And as I'm writing it, uh, that's all I do anyway. So there's, it's not like it's a, a special occasion. But I just want you to listen to the track. And this is what it sounds without... Uh, mixing because it's been mixed as I was writing it and it's not master either and in mastering I'm just going to bring the volume up a little bit and enhance what is already there so this is the track So as you can see, it sounds pretty full. It sounds really uh, big, and that's because I try to keep it simple. I try to focus on what I do best, and obviously I try to make it as uh, big as possible by putting my two guitar players, one to the left, one to the right, and really uh, make it as, uh, create as, uh, as much separation as possible. All right, and learn. I have learned as well along the way to say no to certain things. I don't go and indulge in other instruments. I don't keep adding uh, more and more and more. I actually start to subtract. There's uh, another um, thing to consider while you're writing and mixing at the same time is that it, what's going to do is it's going to help you um, work with less. 
Okay, so you might consider saying to John, "Hey, John, I don't need you to play the guitar part anymore. You can go down to the pub, because we're all right. Actually, I don't need that. We don't want that guitar part." And John is going to be really disappointed. But your music or your track is going to sound much better that way. Remember to not get overwhelmed by it. Forget about all the theory behind it. Go by gut feeling. Listen to your ears. Your ear is the most important plug-in you have. Okay, but trust your intuition, trust your decision making, trust what you want to hear in your head and make sure that you get as close as possible to that and do whatever it takes to get there. But make decisions quick. Don't stay too long listening to that drum loop over and over again and then two, three hours later decide that that's not the right drum loop or it's not the right kick drum. Okay. You, this has to be done fast. If you see any uh, big uh, artist out there behind the scenes while they're rehearsing or they're recording a part, they know very quickly, very fast, if, if they're in the ballpark. Okay? Very, very fast. I don't care what artist you follow, but they, when they're recording and they're composing, it's very quick, fast, immediate action of like, no, that sounds shit. No, that sounds good. This sounds good. Okay, this should go to the left. This should go to the right, actually. Bring it down. Okay, there is no, let me just check it out later on, or let's burn the CD and take it for the car test, or fix it in the mix. Forget about all that. We're talking about sitting down, writing a piece of music right now, make decisions that that piano part should be lower in volume. Okay, make the guitar part uh, shine more by putting it all the way to the left. And then you might want another guitar part all the way to the right to compensate because you don't want just a guitar player to the left. You know, and the same is with everything else. I hope this episode has been helpful to you. I want you to get better mixes. I want you to your music to shine, but I want more importantly to do it yourself. I want you to take the decisions of how loud you want your drums, okay, and how much bigger that piano part can sound. All right. So again, thanks a lot for listening to this episode. Thanks a lot for all the love and support. If you're somebody that is new to music licensing or to royalty-free libraries, download my free guide. Link will be in the show notes. As well, I have a workshop, free music licensing workshop on how to earn between $500 and $1,000 per month with royalty-free libraries. The link will be as well on the show notes. And as always, rock and roll, and here's to your success. <laughs>